Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Hello, good evening, everyone. This is Rebecca, and I am not seeing Susan's number in the queue here, so we're going to go ahead and dial her up. I did get a message that she was having some weather issues today. Hello? 
Oh, this looks like her cell phone number, I think. Susan, is that you? It is me. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Good. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Wonderful. Great. Yeah. Say it again. All right. How are, how are you tonight, Rebecca? I'm doing good. Staying busy over here. It's a. I've been preserving lots of food since I moved into my new place, so that feels good. And um, I'm gonna get a fall garden ready over here, and just uh, you know, really busy just being in my new my new house. All right. We had a glorious green goddess of friends this week. Mm-hmm. Even though we had a tropical storm and a heavy heavy rain. Do you remember yeah, Farmer John? Farmer John. I don't think that I went to Farmer John's place when I was there. Mm-hmm. He lives down the road. And I noticed that his garden had a lot of amaranth in it. So mm-hmm. I asked him if I could come with the green goddesses and harvest the amaranth, and his eyes lit up, and he was so happy. So we weeded his garden for him, and we got, oh, golly, about five pounds of amaranth greens. So are they flowering and going to seed while you're harvesting them, or no? Absolutely not. They were young. They were before they were flowering. Oh, okay, because all the ones, ours are all flowering and going to seed. We had a late frost in May, mm-hmm. and because of that, many of the farmers didn't plant their gardens until later than you probably planted out there. Yeah, True. So this garden was tilled and planted probably mid to late May. Mm-hmm. So it's just the young amaranth. Some of it was just starting to make flower heads, but that was easy enough to take off. I don't like the flower heads. I find them kind of texturally difficult. Mm-hmm. Kind of That's why I was wondering what you did with them. <laughs> you were using them. I, I cut them off. I don't eat them. Mhm. And once we had harvested enough amaranth, we were able to see there was land quarter too. Mhm. So we got a double harvest. Both of those greens are unique in that they are both complete protein. Mhm. There are certain amino acids, the building blocks of life, that we have to ingest from our food. Many amino acids we can make, but not all of them. And those are called the limiting or the critical amino acids. And when a food has all of those amino acids, it's called a complete protein. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it has every amino acid that it, that can be found, just it has the ones that we need to get from our food. And that's not true mm-hmm. of grains, and it's not true of beans, which is why we eat beans and grains together. Because together they do make the whole set of complete prices. But both the grain of amaranth and the grain of lamb's quarter, which is quinoa, as well as the greens, are a complete protein. Most unusual. 
and you can feel it when you eat them. Mm-hmm. You get full a lot faster when you're eating amaranth and lamb's quarter. And you do you do you always eat it with like a calcium rich food because of the oxalates in it? Is you know, recent food? recent studies have shown that cooking basically uh, destroys the oxalate. Mhm. Okay. And those are greens that I you cook for. Eat you cook them for like an diet. hour. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Those ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I always eat a calcium rich diet. And if you're concerned, and especially if it's summertime, um, put a calcium rich vinegar, like mint vinegar, on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always have my vinegars right there to you. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we have, we have uh, seven, days of, seven days of infusion. And so we mm-hmm. get the five regular infusions, right? Stinging nettle, oat straw, red clover, comfrey, and linden. And then on Saturday, we had a lot of adaptogens that can be used as infusions. Mm-hmm. We had um, shatavari and rhodiola and astragalus and schisandra. And... Um, we had chickweed, amla, and then on Sunday we had mullein milk and corn silk and hibiscus. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So we nice. managed to sample and talk about a lot of infusions in our time together. Mm-hmm. The goddess pageant, as always, was wonderful. So exciting to see blossom in their power and the work that that White Feather does with them with the Rainbow Path of Peace, which is just amazing, as well as the work that Yvette does with them Saturday night as part of our Goddess Pageant. We also awakened their power shield that they had worked all week long making. That is really amazing. Yeah, I saw some beautiful pictures um, online. Yay, just seen the photographer. Yay, just seen the videographer. Yeah. <laughs> Very blessed to have somebody documenting all of your, all of your gatherings and um, yeah, it's good. I love to see everybody out there. Tonight at nine o'clock East Coast time. I'm going to be talking to Joy L. Peterson of Awaken Sacred Retreat, devoted to honoring the sacred transitions of birth and death, the ceremony and ritual. She really um, feels that women's gatherings and circles are what's really important to her and um, wants to share the blessings of celebration. Join us at 9 or stay with us at 9, and you'll get to hear what Joya has to say. Excellent. Sounds good. We have 
quite a few callers, it looks like, on the phone with questions tonight. If you have a question for Susan, make sure to press 1 to be in the queue. And um, are you ready to go to the first question, Susan? Yes, I am. Okay. The first caller is coming from the 352 area code. Hi, Susan. This is Carol. I called you a month ago with the MRSA infection from Tennessee. How are you doing now? Hi, so I'm calling you back. Um, yes, it's, I'm on the other side. And uh, the yarrow, we talked about the yarrow um, infusion, oh, I'm sorry, yarrow tinctures. So anyway, I, I rotated through the yarrow and the echinacea. I had some nice um, organic cotton balls that we picked. Soaked in that, rotated that, and then also used slippery elm on it and charcoal, and then it started to get the best of me. And so I, after you talked to me, anyways, I went over to a doctor that I knew could help me get the medicine I needed, and I got a shot in my gazoo of steroids by my request. And after I looked it up and spent some time, because I had a few MERS infections, I needed more, I, you know, I yes, give me those antibiotics as I worked, you know, all my infusions. I really did recover a whole lot quicker than anybody else thought. We did really well, super on the other side, and, um, you know, it, 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 it kicked my ass, but here I be. It looks like this kicked his <laughs> ass harder than it kicked yours, and that's the way we want it. Well, that's exact. I just, you know what? It was like I'm here. I am again, and I was like, okay, here you are again. You know, and I, you know, I, not you know, you know. I'm just. The point is that I listen to you. I understand how you have to work your allies with medicine. And yes. I knew I was going to the other way, and I just been there, done that. Guys, get too old. And that would be ridiculous, so, yeah, good company. Good you. And, thank you. Good you. And don't you remember when I talked to you earlier and said I'm going to get an RV and go and keep trucking? No, I did end up scoring that RV during the Corona MRSA, oh, my goshness. Uh, truly, I am on the other side. Like, my, my, I have a nice little scar, but here I be and here I stand. Let's, let's rock and roll. All right. But you're right, that yarrow, I mean, I have, I have enough tinctures. I just needed to be midwife a minute, you know. And my daughters, you know, we did it. We took care of it, and yay. And linden, oh, yes, and I soaked cotton balls into linden and then mixed the linden infusion with slippery elm and a little bit of charcoal, and it made a nice paste. I slept with it on there, kind of pasted that on there. It was wonderful. All right. Did you take any yeah. echinacea internal? Oh, yes. On about every 45 minutes to two hours. Okay, good. You, were, you had mentioned the cotton balls and putting it on. So I was... Well, that's, those were my heroic children that are heroic on my not very much of a heroic spectrum. Like, let's dip it in your echinacea tincture. 
you know. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> like it, they were working it, Mom. This thing, we're on the edge of going to somewhere not here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know, I know, I know. And so I crawled to this really great doctor that buys my my organic soap, which I did send you my unscented. I did see that it got contaminated by your comment. However, that lady did help me with the antibiotics she knew. So we had to go, like, to another county to get this vancomycin without it being IV'd. Wow. You know, like, if you if you take these steroids, then you can go get this, and you just got to be sick for, like, five more days. So like, bring it on, okay. you know. All right. So they went and got it. I opened my mouth. And it was like, oh, and it took about another 15 days, but we kicked it. We and kicked we it. added yeah, all yeah. the herbs, all the herbs. We did not let the medicine. We all are ruling this together, the herbs and the medicine. We work together. Nothing gets all the credit. It all gets the credit. And That's you get the credit most of all because you are the conductor of all of them. Well, that's that's why I read your books and and follow you. I take notes every time. I don't call all the time, but I do take notes. <laughs> Good, but I did you. get the RV. So now my question for tonight is: I sent you a sunshine box. Void the soap. Which was your favorite gift of the little box? The most colorful one. Oh, the seashell. Yes. It's right in my oh, window. Oh, nice. Good pick. Nice. All it's right. Beautiful. Good. Five spiral with rainbow colors. Yeah. So do you know what that is? And my second favorite was the sand, the painted sand dollar. I know. You mentioned that. But that first pick is actually a tool used on the island. And... um some kids up from New York State where I cook for this Psytrans Festival right up there near where you live. Um, he came down, stayed with me on the islands, and he picked that tool up, and he painted that, that thing, and I've had it, those colors. And it is a grinder for herbs and shells, and it's a tool. So it's a good pick. And it was psychedelic. It's really cool. Is it, is it, is it half the tool, and there's like a base or a bowl or something it goes in? That's right. Yep. So super cool. And then the tiara was strictly I picked that because it was a sunshine box. Yeah. I have that now. <laughs> Decorating. Give it to a little girl that you're like, I have a tiara for you. Uh, and I have that tiara now decorating a beautiful uh, triangular, small triangular chest of drawers. And the tiara is right up on top. I knew you'd find a place for it. I just knew it. And then I sent you some tie-dye that we've done in the past. These were all That's love right. And my um, granddaughter has now learned to play rummy since you sent cards. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. I did recover good, but I'm going to make my way to New York, and then it's just, I mean, I got the RV I told you I was going to get. Yay. That's right. I'm a chite bit intimidated, but I shall get over it. 
Well, I told someone this week. I paid cash for it, too, Susan, cash. This past weekend, somebody said to me, you know, sometimes you frighten me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, say it again. This past weekend, somebody said to me, sometimes you frighten me. And I looked at her and I said, well, really, the truth of the matter is, I don't frighten you. It's your own power that frightens you. Uh, <laughs> See? I, think, I know, right? Okay, true to that. Because that's what I want for you. I want you to be in your own power. And it is frightening to be with someone who wants you to be powerful. Well, you know, um, I just am, and everybody around me seems to be, but I did store this RV. Even though I have no reason to be intimidated by it, I have felt intimidated, but I shall get over it because I just got over MRSA. I need to give myself some credit. And I need, you know, so I've been drinking oat straws. Like, I've downed this whole thing of two pounds of oat straw. Oh, my God. Sorry, I mean, like, I have to suck the oat straw dry. So, I love you. Love you, too. Thanks for calling. I'll I'll, I'll be up north. I'm going to be up your way. All right. Sometime soon. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 907 area code. Hey, Susan, how are you? I'm doing really well today. How about you? Great, great. Um, I'm going to stay up late tonight and watch shooting stars. Oh. You know, was that, um, what was it? A meteorite or a asteroid? There, 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 was, was, a, there was a meteor, but but tonight it's the height of the Perseid shower. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a, year, a yearly event in August, but the, there's supposed to be more than one shooting star every minute tonight after midnight in my locale. I'm going to have to look that up, see what time it happens here. Yeah. So, my question, I did something stupid. Um, I used that oregano oil, and I burned, like, my throat out. Uh, Like, I don't think I'll ever put that in my mouth again. I mean, it literally ripped my throat. Um, It wasn't – it was a burn. I really feel my throat was burned. So um, it's been like a week, and I still have like a little bit of hoarseness. And I was wondering what would be soothing for the throat. The very best soother for the throat is honey. The second best soother for the throat is slippery elm. Now you mix slippery elm powder and honey together, you have a Super good thing to soothe your throat. Oh, okay. Actually, I have that. I have you that. Have the, yes, I have the slippery elm, and I have the honey, and I think I I made the balls. I have them in the freezer. There you go. 
Oh, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. Linden, <laughs> hot linden infusion with honey is also good as it's hot comfrey infusion with honey. Okay, I have the I matter of fact I made the um linden infusion today. All right. So what do you think of that oregano oil? It's a drug. It's damaging. There you go. <laughs> It's directly damaging, as you can tell, to the mucous surfaces. But it also um, damages the integrity of every cell in your body. And then once the cells are damaged, the essential oil kills mitochondria in the cells. And the mitochondria are the energy-producing bodies of the cells. So... Raw, no, I'm not going to be using raw that essential oils. Certainly, can kill bacteria. They do so at a very high cost to our health. Oh wow! So you, it it actually did then burn my my maybe my vocal cords. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Oh man, I have one other question. There's this ad on the the radio. Um, corona, uh, no, 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 coronavirus. Um, what's the plant that, uh, it eats, it, it eats bugs. It has like a, I can't think, my mind just went blank. It looks, it looks like it has teeth and it eats bugs and it opens and closes like a, Sun what the dew. hell is it? Sun what is dew. it? Sundew. It's called Sundew? Mm-hmm. Uh, they they it's also, advertise it's also, it's, also, it's also called Venus flytrap. That's it. Venus. What's the botanical name for that? It's not a plant I work with often enough to have the botanical name by heart. Okay. Well, it's a. It's now like this advertisement. This is like a cure-all for you know every disease in the book, and I I was just curious if you. Why are they promoting that plant so much? Well, I certainly I thought you wish might... they wouldn't because it's not a common plant. Right, it's not a, it's not a that, common plant. And it's not a plant that grows around people. So right away, we know from what the plant is telling us that it doesn't want to be used frequently and it doesn't want to be used in very great quantity. Oh wow. Okay. All right. That's just, that's also like there's a guy up here in Alaska. He's he's made chaga like this commercial you know like he has t-shirts that says, "Oh, chaga is life." And I'm like, "Wow." <laughs> it's hard to dig that get that chaga. You know, they're really pretty high up on the on the birch trees. And it's just, it's just weird how I mean, why would you commercialize chaga and put it on a T-shirt? To me, it's just stupid. I, I think it's ridiculous. My teachers taught me that chaga was a mushroom that you might use once in your lifetime. Yeah, because it's so slow growing that you do your best never to use it because it's so easy to ruin it. Oh, well, Can it's everywhere. Ten years ago, I could take you out in my forest and show you chaga 
you know, there wasn't a lot of it, but I, you know, as you said, you know, where there, where there were birch trees, there was some chaga. Um, mm-hmm. Now people have, you know, stolen it all from my forest. There's not a, a bit to be seen, and I doubt that any more will ever grow. Right, I don't think it grows back. No. And since there's none to make spores, I'm not going to see it in new birch trees either. Right, So ba- right. basically what they did was destroyed the chaga now and in the future. Yeah, you're right. Because you, you can't find it. I mean, you, I used to see it a lot. And, you know, you drive on the road and you go, oh, look at that. They hacked off the chaga. You know, it's like. That's right. That's, That's right. You know, it's, it's crazy. But, yeah, to commercialize it, I, I, I really get turned off to that. So, okay, thank you very much. I'm going to do that right now. Good night and green blessings. And green blessings to you. Thank you. The next caller is coming from the 828 area code. Hello, Susun. This is Maretta. Hey, Maretta. Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately... My back went into a much greater pain through the spine. So I'm in tremendous amount of pain. And my daughter got me uh, uh, somebody uh, from an expert pain doctor, um, supposedly the very best one in New York City. And uh, it's going to take me to get an MRI uh next Monday. But in the meanwhile, I'm dealing with this tremendous pain. And he said, take Tylenol. And I thought, oh, my God. But um, because of my mouth, I can't really take anything in tinctures. So I do astragalus um, uh, infusion and oat straw infusion. And, of course, you know, the, uh, what's it called, that I, you know, that I take all the time, this root, um, marshmallow root. Mm-hmm. Those are wonderful, wonderful choices. I, Is that I a wonderful choice? Those are wonderful choices. And I mentioned this before, somewhat jokingly, um, that Tylenol must, you know, give lots of free samples to doctors because so many doctors recommend Tylenol, which is acetaminophen. And acetaminophen is responsible for more liver failure than alcoholism. It's more addictive? I suggest that people use ibuprofen or naproxen instead. Naproxen? Naproxen, the brand name is Aleve, A-L-E-V-E. Oh, Aleve, yeah, Aleve, yeah. Right, and ibuprofen, the brand name is Motrin. Motrin. Mm Mm-hmm, it's ibuprofen. And you can buy generic ibuprofen or generic naproxen. I I don't mention the brand name because I don't want you to think that I'm saying you have to buy that brand. Just like you can go Tylenol. Do you, you know, Tylenol, I just feel like that's going to do nothing but bring more acids to your stomach or something. Is that, 
It's especially hard on your liver. Especially hard on your liver more so than your stomach. Yeah. Have you tried any C? Have you tried any CBD products? Yeah, you know what it is. My mouth is in flames. You know, because of that. uh, CBD products can be applied topically. You don't have to take them. Oh, CBD products. Yeah. You can apply CBD oil or CBD ointment to the area of your back where there's pain. Have you tried that at all? Uh, no, but I do have some here. All and right. I also um, have done Arnica. Uh, yes, that, excellent, excellent choice. Yeah, and okay, Arnica. Justine put the Arnica on the area around my wound every day, sometimes several times a day, and it is so soothing. It's so wonderful. Yeah, what about... Uh, the, we, uh, we're, using the hum, we're using the homeopathic Arnica gel. Yeah, that's the what Arnica I'm using, gel. too. Yeah, but Arnica I, oil I is fine, too. I got it out of your book. Uh, abundantly well, I, I saw it and I bought it, you know? Yes, yes. And uh, I also... Um, uh, now, what do you call that thing, that, uh, those pills? Do you think that I can take you know, right now, my uh, stomach is in pain all the time and swollen, and even when I eat, it's like in pain and swollen. Now, when you say, when you say stomach, where are you putting your hand, above your belly button or below it? I am, I am doing it below it. The whole stomach okay, is... You no, know, you understand that's not your stomach at all. That's your gut. That's your what? Your intestines. Oh, intestines. Your stomach is above your belly button. Okay, so the intestine is, is uh, you mean uh, that's where you, your bowel movement goes through? Yes. Aha. It's not your stomach. You know, stomach. I, your I, stomach. Do slippery, I do slippery elm. Uh, uh-huh. Every you know once a day, at uh-huh. night, late uh-huh. at night for bowel movements. But since his pain increased, it is uh, I don't have the bowel movements that I used to have. Five a.m. I go to the bathroom. It's great, but since that pain came, the first the shot you know really shot at me. Extraordinary pain. The first night I had. You know, it's constipated the next morning. The next night it moved somewhat, and now it's just, uh, you know, today it didn't move at all, you know, very little. And here I am, I'm doing a lot of slippery elm. Do you, uh, do you suggest prunes too and whatever? Yes, prunes is an excellent idea. And if that's not enough, then some yellow dots. Oh, yellow dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I do. I see. I am the I am the person. Yeah. You know, I yeah. do. Despite that, my mouth is very dry. I do do dandelion tincture with every meal. I just sort of hide it in a lot of water and uh-huh. Uh-huh. put yogurt down afterwards. And do you know what I mean? 
sort of hide it up. But I'm you not, can I'm imagine. Not, I'm not like, sure why you're. I'm not sure why you're thinking that the tinctures are distressful. Say that again. I, tinctures are distressful to you, and I'm not sure why you're saying that or thinking that. Because my mouth is my my. Uh, first of all, I have dry mouth. Secondly, I only have saliva to about twelve thirty at night. The rest of the night, I have dry mouth, and I have to wake up and uh, drink something all night long. And uh, and it's what I drink is marshmallow root during the wonderful, night. Wonderful, wonderful, excellent choice. What a great choice. Yeah, and, um, and through the night, that, through the night, none, my whole, none of that, none of that explains why you are thinking that the tinctures are upsetting to your digestion. I don't think they are. I think it's great what you're doing. I always take tinctures in some liquid. I never put tinctures directly in my mouth. I always yeah. put tinctures in some liquid, some warm liquid, even better. Warm um, liquid, even better, yeah. Yeah, even better. And um, certainly yogurt is wonderful. No objection to yogurt at all. But what I'm establishing is that you've said several times that the tinctures upset your digestion, not your mouth, but your digestion, your stomach. No, I, I don't think they upset my digestion because, okay. you know, I have dandelion tinctures three times a day, and I do it because I do know what dandelion does. I have done it for 20 years. And All it's right. Incredible. It's incredible yes. what it does for yes. your digestion, you know? Yes, so, so good. Yeah, I am a complete fan, you know, and, and also yogurt. So, and, then, so what I, and also then what I'm getting at, is that given that you can take some tinctures, skullcap tincture really helps to relieve pain, and it can be taken in very low doses. Yeah. No, I do and, know that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And CBD tincture can also reduce pain and can be taken in small doses. Yeah, the, I know. I, new, I tried skullcap. The new pain-relieving pain herb for me is Mella Lotus, the sweet clover, the tall sweet clover. And things with the oh, flowering top, the Mella Lotus three to five drops can really help to eliminate sharp pain or stabbing pain. It's called yellow uh, lotus? Mella Lotus, M-E-L-L-I-L-O-T-U-S. Mella Lotus is the botanical name. Okay. And the common name is sweet clover. Oh, sweet clover, yeah. Mella, of course, being honey, right? Honey flower, Mella lotus, honey flower, the sweet clover. It is a clover. Yeah, sweet clover. Uh, now, you know, I also uh, have like a, I get get a sore throat, and I also have um, yeast on my tongue that I'm trying to get rid of with acidophilus and with, uh, uh, with, Acidophilus and yogurt, goat yogurt. Did we talk about about plantain seeds? Yeah, but that is, you know, I cannot get them. I cannot get those anywhere. And I'm just wondering, you know. Well, I'll tell you, you, the plantain seeds and my wild plantain are nearly ripe. Say that again? 
The plantain seeds on the wild plantain around me are nearly ripe. Wow, yeah. But you know what? I I cannot even get, I'm in so much pain, there is no way for me to get out. I understand, but you said that your daughter was helping you. Can't she harvest some plantain seed for you? I don't know if she knows how to get plantain seeds, you know? It's, you yeah. know, plantain is a very obvious plant, and yeah. it has a stalk, which is all seeds, and you simply cut the stalk. That's all you have to do is cut the stalk and lay it down in a tissue-lined basket to dry. That's all you have to do is cut it. And cut it, yeah. So That's you don't think that the slippery elm and uh, yogurt and acidophilus is enough? No, I don't. Has it been? No. No, I don't feel that it has because, uh, I mean, my teeth is a little bit, you know, less coated, but my gums are so sore that I had to, like, brush my teeth with cotton balls, wet cotton balls. So you can imagine my mouth is in bad shape, you know? Yep, yep, yep. I hear you. I hear you. So that's why, you know, and um, at drugstores they sell Metamucil, and Metamucil is made from plantain seeds. Yeah. So you think I should take some of that? Well, what I usually suggest, and I talk about it in the childbearing year, is soaking the plantain seeds in cold water overnight and then just letting that rest in the mouth. Let them be in the mouth? Uh, what about and then take, take a mouthful of it and just, just let it hang out in your mouth. What about the metamucil? Is that plantain seeds too? Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's plantain seed, yes. Okay, and what do I do? I take some of the metamucil, like what, a teaspoon you or two? Soak, soak it in cold water overnight. Yeah. Soak it in cold water overnight and then take some of that gel, which it will create, and put it in your mouth and keep it in your mouth for as long as you can. Okay. Is it is it something that's very harsh, or is it going to be all right? Or It's more soothing than Cibriol. Oh, it is more soothing than Cibriol. You know, also do with your other idea, and that is a freeze yogurt um, in in little cubes. And I take them in my mouth, and that's very sort of a soothing. This ice. What a nice, of... what a wonderful idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's your it's your idea from childbirth, you know, bearing years. So I use that too. So you can see I I study up on you. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, let me uh, let me so try let, that. Well, let, and let, me, let me ask you this: There are honey straws, which is just a straw with honey in it, and honey candy. Have you tried sucking on either a honey straw or some honey candy just before you go to sleep? Honey, uh, honey, what? Candy? Honey candy, or it's called a honey straw, and what it is is a plastic straw that's filled with honey. And you can suck the honey out of it. And honey pulls moisture out of the air to it. and might help keep your throat and mouth more moist as you sleep. Oh. 
yeah, I know that, but you would sleep with a with a candy or in your mouth or straw in your mouth. You're going to you're going to suck the honey out of the straw or suck I, on the candy before you go to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What about yeah. uh, 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 manuka honey? What do you think of any manuka honey? honey? Any honey is any honey is fine. It doesn't have to be manuka. Yeah, any honey any, will be fine. Any well, honey. I happen, I happen to have manuka honey, so. Well, yeah, then certainly fine. use that. That's fine. And but if that burns because it is a very strong honey, then use a different honey. Okay. Just use plain honey. Yeah. Whatever honey yeah. you have that feels good to you is what you should use, yes? Sometimes yes. the manuka is too strong, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, so just regular honey. You can, yeah, try, you know, the manuka. You can try the manuka, and if it seems too strong for you, then just do regular honey, okay? Yeah. It's wonderful for the throat. Honey is so wonderful for the throat. And what I'm saying is that honey actually takes moisture out of the environment and brings it to the tissue that it's on. So by by using honey just before you go to sleep, it should keep the tissues of your mouth and throat moisture throughout the night. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Susu. Thank you. God bless you. Love you, you Moretta. I love you so much. Yeah, I love you so much, too. I cannot describe how much I love you. It's uh, nearly impossible. It's, uh, it's, you know, in talking about true sisterhood for 40 years, I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, and you're my big sister, (laughs) although I'm older than you. Thank you so much. Hi, 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 hi. Bye, bye. Green blessings. You too. The next caller is coming from the five zero four area code. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. I'm so happy to be talking to you. I um I have an eleven month old who's turning one. Uh, which is so funny. I started listening to you before I had him, like right when I got married and new newlywed. Um, and so I am uh, trying to wean him, and he's currently on. He's currently drinking some some uh, infusions. I give him nettle and red raspberry leaf, and um, what was the other one that I just ran out of? Linden. So just whatever I'm drinking, he drinks it. But we're having. All right a problem because he doesn't like milk. So I gave him some, I tried to give him some goat's milk. Of course it's pasteurized because I can't find unpasteurized. There's a place where I used to get raw milk. um, And so I was going to go there this weekend, but I'm having an issue um, trying to figure out what to give him. Uh, I I apologize for him being loud in the background. Um, So if you could just give me some suggestions as I um, start this meaning process, I'm a little concerned um, about him uh, getting all of the nutrition. 
that he needs. And of course, I know that the herbal infusions give him quite a bit, but I just need some more of your guidance. So is he eating pureed food at this point? Yes, he is. Is he eating all categories of food? Yes. Vegetables and fruits and grains and meat? Yes, he is. So I'm a little unclear as to what your concern is focused on. Okay. The fact that he's not drinking milk? So, yes. So I have been told, and I'm a first-time mom, so I could be wrong. I have been told that uh, when I remove him from breast milk, he needs to have some kind of milk, whether that's, well, they they mostly say cow's milk, the people that are advising me in the medical field. Um, but I tried the goat's milk as well. And he, and he needs milk for what reason? And that's, that's my question. Because I guess he gets dairy because I give him, I just gave him the Dan and plain yogurt. So he I'm gets dairy, say, but I yogurt and cheese and ice cream. Then yeah. I don't see any problem. Okay, okay. Because I've been a little stressed about that. Um, any tips on weaning? Be be un be unstressed. His okay. body <laughs> is say, his body is saying very clearly, I do not want this milk. You can okay. continue to try to give him different milk. That's okay. Or you can just say. That's uh-huh. fine. You don't have to drink milk. I mean, I keep a herd of dairy goats, and I might drink over the course of a year, maybe a quart of milk. Ninety-nine okay. percent of the milk from my goats goes into me as yogurt or cheese. Okay. 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 As a matter of fact, a, a, a study that was just released um, really recently, I think last month found that um, there was a strong connection between the amount of fluid milk that a woman drank and her risk of breast cancer. And the more milk she drank, the greater her risk of breast cancer. But there was no connection between eating cheese and consuming yogurt and breast cancer. Okay. Got it. Furthermore, we know that that more than four cups of milk a day does indeed... um, slow bone growth and can lead to osteoporosis. But again, there is no connection between any kind of bone changes and the consumption of any amount of yogurt or cheese. Okay. So your son is very wise and is making a very wise choice. Okay. <laughs> That's good. My other question was um, for more tips on weaning and the whole process and um, I had read that the red raspberry leaf actually increases uh, milk production. Um, and so I wanted to just get more information whether or not I should just gradually reducing my feedings is enough or whether or not there's something else that I should uh, kind of um, drink to reduce my supply. Red raspberry is not one of the five nourishing herbal infusions that I suggest we rotate through. Okay. The five nourishing herbal infusions that I suggest are stinging nettle, oat straw, red clover, comfrey leaf, and linden. With hibiscus hibiscus being a strong six. And um, I I mentioned some of the other infusions that we served at the Green Goddess Weekend. Did you notice I did not say red raspberry? Mm. 
I have no I have no objection to it. And if you like it well enough, that's fine. I don't like it at all. It's way too astringent. Mm-hmm. And I think of it as a uterine tonic. Um, uh-huh. You know, I mean, whether or not, whether or not an herb. Yes, exactly. Sorry. Whether or not an herb actually increases breast milk has a lot to do with the woman's diet. Okay. So a woman who has a diet that is not very good and not very nourishing may see an improvement in breast milk from drinking nourishing herbal infusions. But a woman whose diet is good and varied probably is not going to see much of anything unless she's using an herb that is absolutely specific for that, like fenugreek. Okay. If you want to use an herb to help dry up your milk, that would be sage, salvia officinalis. And you can make Mm -hmm. a sage tea and drink that whenever you want, or you could actually make a sage infusion, which you would only drink by the sip. It's extremely strong, and you don't want to drink very much of it. Mm -hmm. So a sip, you know, a sip once a day. Okay. So okay, and it's are, oh, those, oh sorry. Go ahead. I have so again, a problem with none of <laughs> none of the nourishing none of the nourishing herbal infusions are going to interfere with your weaning. The primary okay. thing that causes milk production is suckling. Okay. So okay. when when the suckling slows down. When there is less demand, then less milk is produced. And what generally is hard about the weaning is that suckling is a behavior that does not just satisfy hunger, it also satisfies emotional needs. Right, yeah. And it satisfies emotional needs for your baby and for you. Uh Uh-huh. What I usually say is that the most problematic breastfeeding time is late at night. And I have been rather astonished to see the amount of tooth decay and uh, real tooth damage uh, that can be done by breast milk. Uh So if at all possible, um, it's better for that to be the first feeding to go. Okay. Even though that's the most emotional one. Mm-hmm. And okay. to see if that emotion can be um, transferred into an afternoon feeding or a feeding at some other time. Okay. All right? And it's okay for him to have the red raspberry leaf uh, infusion, it's totally right? Fine, yeah. It's totally okay. fine, yeah. It's totally fine. Nothing wrong with it at all. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Susan. Thanks again. You are welcome. And what's his name? His name is Jordan. Jordan. All right. Our love, our love and green <laughs> blessings to Jordan as well as you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 530 area code. You can see the corn print around it. Hello. Hi. Hi, my name is Jessica, and my question pertains 
uh, not so much to herbal remedies, but is more about claiming my own personal power as a mother. Um, I have a teenage boy who's 14 and another son who's nine. And I've heard you speak a lot about female sexual health and sometimes about men. But my question relates to um, my son being a teenager. I was wondering to hear your thoughts about what, I guess, we as women, but myself, uh, to support him in terms of sex and sexuality. Well, my first answer is that most men and boys do not need any further support about sex and sexuality. <laughs> mm-hmm. We live in a culture which glorifies male sexuality. Mm-hmm. And except in some religious settings, um, boys find out pretty easily and pretty fast how to pleasure themselves. Yes. What is and probably more probably more to the point, and mothers have shared with me that they felt that it was very important for them as mothers of boys to teach their boys to respect women. Exactly. And to teach their boys that if a woman says no, she means no. That would be high up on the list, yeah. And one mother even went so far as to say, this is how you touch a woman's breast. And this is how you touch a woman between her legs. You don't grab. You don't pinch. Unless asked. Mm -hmm. So it depends on how intimate you wish to be with your boys to what level you take their sex education. Yeah, it's sort of how to even bring it up. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and that's where I'm at now. Because I know they're seeing and hearing all sorts of things, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily bad, but, you know, Mm -hmm. just to give my perspective. Yeah. Stories go a long way. If there's okay. ever any time, if there's ever any time that you get to sit and be with them, a of story, course. you know, like, oh, wow, you know, I remember when I was your age, and it was so amazing, you know, awakening to sexuality and all of that. But I sure do wish that somebody had taught the boys in my school um, how to respect uh, me as a girl because it, was, uh, it wasn't a lot of fun for me as a girl to be mm-hmm. leered at and looked at as an object and to be pawed and groped. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so in, I grew in that up way, in a, Yeah, in yeah. that way, without telling them what to do, you're sharing with them what you would have liked. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess the reason I called is um, just to hear, you know, your... Um, you're very certain about, it seems like, when you give advice and sort of your beliefs, I guess, and values, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. very clear what you're saying. And I grew up in a family that, you know, 
there was a book on the bookshelf. Nobody ever pointed it out to me, but my mom gave me a book about, you know, women's sexuality and health, but we never talked about it. And I don't want to do the same thing because I feel like it was not helpful for me being a teenager and into my 20s. I'm in my late 30s now, but, um, you know, I want to have more of a conversation with them, but I don't want to be grotesque about it either, <laughs> you know. So, Well, you remember that when you're a teenager, the most embarrassing person in the world is your parent. Exactly. And that anything, sort of your, like, parent says, anything your parent says or does is going to embarrass you. Well, I hear what you're saying there. <laughs> so... It depends somewhat on your culture. I studied in a Native American culture where the women's mysteries were held by a man. And at puberty, the girls went and had study time with this man who held the women's mysteries. And the same thing, the men's mysteries were held by a woman. And at puberty, the boys went and studied with this woman. Oh. Right? There are cultures in which the older people in the culture um, instruct the younger people as to how to be um, sexually kind and sexually polite. And this polite. would be like the grandparents or more the parent type of generation? The, generally, the, generally it would be uncles. Okay. So it, you know... And uncles can be of almost any age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, again, it can be difficult to do if that isn't your cultural tradition. Yeah, well, it definitely gives me some things to think about. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for asking. Wonderful question. Thanks a lot. Have a nice Green evening. Blessing. You too. Good night. Good night. Thank you. The next caller is coming from the 845 area code. Mm-hmm. Are you there in the 845? Just kidding. This is Sardic Dilute. This is Dilute. Right. Hello. Oh, there you are. We can hear you now. Hello, 845. Come in, come in. Hello, hello. Oh, I thought I heard someone say hello, but maybe that, that was, was you. I think that was me. Well, okay, we'll come back. And, all right. Um, all right, the next caller is coming from the 516 area code. Hi, Susan. Good evening. Uh, What's up with you tonight? Uh, well... I've had a, uh, my second bout with what I can only uh, understand is food poisoning mm-hmm. in the space of about six months. And um, although I, I really, to be honest with you, I can't, I, I don't know if there's something else going on. Um, is, this, is this Kimberly? It is, darling. How are you? Oh, hi, honey. I just recognized your voice. <laughs> Okay, so food poisoning, yuck. Yeah, yuck. And um, 
And, you know, I hadn't had food poisoning for years. And suddenly I'm finding myself experiencing this in, you know, again, twice in six months. So I don't know if there's something, you know, you know, I really do need to do step zero with it a bit more. But um, I I have a doctor's appointment coming up. So um, I called to say, hey, you know, maybe since I'm just coming off two days of, you know, throwing up, you know, nothing at all, um, maybe it's not a great time to go get my blood drawn. And they said, oh, well, it'll be October before we can see you otherwise. And I was thinking, well, you know, I don't know. Is it, is it something that I should push and go ahead and, and do? Or, you know, because, you know, I had liver disease um, twice when I was a kid. I was born yellow jaundice. Um, and then I had rice That's syndrome. Not liver, that is not liver disease. Oh, it is not? Okay. I there's a, substance in, there's a substance in the blood of the fetus called bilirubin. Uh-huh. And bilirubin has to be cleared, and if it doesn't, then you, the baby gets jaundiced, but it's not a disease. I see. Okay. Um, well, thank you for that. Um, You're I had I had Rye's syndrome uh, at the age of 13, um, and I'm not sure exactly how that's classified, but um, it was quite interesting to me to listen to Paul Bergner talk about how, and you talk about how similar the rise um, was to the aspirin in the 1918 flu uh, pandemic. But anyway, um, so I guess my, my, I guess I'm just looking for some hmm, way so, of so thinking. You're, you're not anywhere near 13 now. Mm. Or even twenty three or thirty three. <clears throat> mm. um, so I'm a little <laughs> unclear as to why something that happened more than twenty five years ago is concerning you about your liver. Ah, well, um, because the experience is identical. You throw up for four days and then you go into a coma, and then you know that was my experience with rise. So whenever I have these incidents, and by the way, they aren't always physically caused. I don't know if you'll recall, but I had something very, very similar happen to me on several occasions visiting with you on the land. So I don't know if it's a physical. I'm just a bit lost at this point. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and not so necessarily ask, anxious to ask, go let out me ask and go you to this. a doctor. Given, yeah. given your story that your mm-hmm. liver needs help, what are you doing to help your liver? Uh, some um, dandelion. Um, Tinctures. All right, and and you take that on a daily basis? Yes, just um, about a dropper full in the morning. That sounds um, great. And um, I haven't really been feeling like any needing like anything else for that. I the I, nettle right after I recovered. Uh-huh. Um, given given all you're saying, I don't think this doctor's is it is it all important. Okay, so I think I'm going to push it, Kit, since I'm in a COVID hotspot. I don't think it's necessarily a great time to be running out and getting my blood work and running to the doctor. And Okay, that, that agree, leads me to agree, the second agree, thing. Agree. That okay. leads me to the second thing, which may be related. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I've been working remotely. Uh, everybody else that I work with is back in the office. Uh, I also live in a COVID hotspot. Our positivity rate's about 20%. Um and, you know, it's, you know, they're sort of 
you know, sort of allowing me to do this. But on the other hand, it's clearly not ideal, um, you know, from any perspective. Um, and I just sort of, I just, you know, just inside, I just haven't felt comfortable just running back into the office. I went for one day and, and like, it was like so ridiculous. I mean, you can't wear a mask and, and work in a call center. You just can't do it. And so it just, I just want to know, hear your thoughts on, on that. Am I being, am I being silly or should I just hang out for a week or two while things cool off a little bit or, I mean, well, the, the statement that you the statement that you made that I don't understand is what the problem with working from home is. Oh, the problem with working from home is I was supposed to do a, a review of my pipeline yesterday with my boss. Uh, we and then it was supposed to be one thirty today, and then it was I'm locking you in for four forty five, and it hasn't yet happened. So, um, you know, look. It's so, in other words, your, bo- your boss couldn't find the time to talk with you. Correct. How, uh, but, you know, if you were in the office, that could have happened. Yes. However, I've found that over the course of my career, sitting on someone's desk or standing in front of them is a great way to get their attention. And I, I think agree. that's what's happening. So, you know, if he's got is that you're, is that you're not getting their attention because you're not sitting on the desk. Uh, yeah, I'm not there. And, you know, it's also sort of, I, I feel like I'm becoming sort of a little bit of a, I don't know. I mean, I haven't met half the people that have joined. I, you know, I went in for one day and then, you know, I haven't been back. And then, you know, it's just, it's just a weird kind of thing. Um, so... And, you know, I'm, I guess I, I should be okay not making as much money for a little while because, you know, this is what I said to my boss. Look, I, nobody really knows, but I guess the question to ask yourself is what if you're wrong, right? What's the risk, right? So if I'm wrong and it's a complete hoax and, you know, all that stuff there is, and there's it, nothing to worry me, about. What on earth are you saying? It is, COVID is not a hoax. I understand, but there are people. Look, I live in Florida. We have you know, a. But, you, but every time you say it, you give it energy. Don't say it. Thank you. You're right. Correct. So, um, so my point is, underestimating the risk could have dire consequences. Overestimating the risk has the consequence of being somewhat inconvenient and may cost me money in the short run. So I guess I just answered my question. Never mind. Oh, I think you did. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty clear, you know, New York, which was a big hot spot, which had a super transmitter right away and, you know, thousands of cases right away in New York that people are, you know, eating in restaurants, albeit outside, but in restaurants because they were willing to wear masks and keep social distance. Yeah. And if you're already telling me to go to work, you can't wear a mask, well, then all bets are off. Then you can't go to work if you can't wear a mask. The only viable way for you to go to work is to wear a mask. Now, there are lots and lots of masks out there. And there are masks that are being advertised as, I spoke with this mask on for eight hours straight. <laughs> right, right. Well, whether or not I, that's true, I don't know. I certainly know that something that just has, a, you know, a piece of material across your face, you're not going to be comfortable speaking. 
But I see all kinds of other masks that look like you could be more comfortable. Indeed. And here's the thing. When I went in, I wore my mask, but nobody else did. And so, well, so what? (laughs) I guess then I'm protected, so I don't really care. That's right. Mask and face face shields for you all. That's right. And keep your distance. So if it has to come to it, that's, that's what I'll do. Or perhaps you could go in for a couple of hours once a week because you're saying that you think you need to be seen there. Yeah, I think that would be good. And I was actually preparing to, you know, do a couple of days a week there when things exploded down here. And so, and I'm like, well, this is really not the right time. And then after my, I was out, you know, for two days last week with food poisoning, they're like, yeah, we don't want to sit with you. We're not really sure what's going on with you. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Completely understood. Yes. Anyway. Um, so, I, you know, again, I think that you have stated it pretty darn clearly that if you are overly protected, you won't die. And if you're inadequately protected, you could die. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's pretty clear when you put it that way, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, perfect. Now, can we All just right. circle back for just one second to the food poisoning thing? Because I keep trying the slippery elm balls, and I just keep throwing Uh them up. And so So is there anything to be done? When you say you're trying them, the ideal slippery elm ball is put into your cheek and allowed to slowly dissolve over a period of 15 to 25 minutes. Is that how you're doing it? Uh, yes, that's what I um, went for. However, as soon as it went, started to dissolve and went down my uh-huh. throat, um, uh-huh. that uh, everything started to come up, and so I spit out really quick so I wouldn't, like, waste it. Okay, I understand. I completely understand. <laughs> and do you also throw up, like, water or fennel tea? Everything. Ice chips. Everything. Water. It was dry mm-hmm. Mhm. Okay. And that went on for how long? Uh, Is it still going right on? At, no, no. It was right at uh, just under 24 hours. Okay. I don't know if you listened last week, but somebody, you know, went to the hospital because she was throwing up for four hours, and I said, you should give it at least 24. <laughs> well, you got yeah. 20, uh, you've got 24 hours. You can throw up before you really need to go to the emergency room. Well, I knew I was getting dehydrated, and so I tried to sip some Gatorade and kept throwing that up as well because I didn't have anything else. And, right. um, you know, but look, you know, it's, uh, I was almost to the point where it's, you know, crap, should I go to the hospital? And I'm like, mm, yeah, probably not a good idea right now. <laughs> if you feel like you're getting dehydrated, you can get in the shower. <sighs> so I could have hurt myself. That would not have been good, but I hear you. Or I can always run water. Right. Run water over yourself. And it's the shower is especially nice because there's moisture in the air and you breathe it in. Righto. 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 Okay. All right, my darling. Thank you, as always. All right. I'm so sorry that you were throwing up. What a miserable state to be in. It really is. You just want to die. You know, please kill me because, you know, I can't do this anymore because you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't drink, you can't get comfortable, you can't anything. So, um, yeah. But anyway, I love you, darling, and thank you so much for taking the time. Mm, Love you, too. Bye-bye. Green blessing.
You too. The next caller is coming from the 209 area code. Are you there in the 209? Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have a question. I must That's have okay. accidentally hit one. That's but okay. No hi, problem. Hi, Susan. I'm doing hi. well. Thank you. Good. I got my lovely um, tinctures from uh, Rebecca. And I oh, absolutely hi. love the... Um, the tallow, the St. Jones Fort tallow is beautiful. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I always have that sitting on my counter in the bathroom. I love it too. <laughs> yeah, I use it. Oh, Whoops, sorry. I accidentally hit the mute button. <laughs> Are you there? That's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> okay, Bye. have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye. All right, we'll go back to the 845 caller. Are you there in the 845? Hello? Hi, Susan. Oh, wow. Uh, So I have a question. Hello? Yes, tell me. Uh, I I have um, shields in my life, and they are... They they need to be uh, re resuscitated maybe <laughs> something like that. Uh-huh. What should I do? What should I do? Do you have a shield uh, ceremony coming up or something? I I feel like I need to do something, but I'm all alone and I need I don't know what to do. So the, the very first thing that I would do in such a situation is I would take the shield from where it has been and I would sit with it somewhere and really go over it. Do I need to dust it? Do I need to wash it? Do I need to brush it? Oh, what do I, what is the right. shield calling out for? Of and course. as I do that and as I groom it, then Usually, um, I will hear if there's something else that I need to do. kind of know that, but I thought maybe there was like a, a time and a date where everybody was going to do that together. I mean, I'm just kidding, but, you know, it's like, it seems like something that I was do, told you, want to you do don't want to other, have to do. If you do, want to but, do it with other people, you want to do it with other people, then what you do is you do it by yourself. And then you take that memory and you take it into dream time and you ask to go to a place where other people are tending to their shields and you can do that in dream time. Well, yeah, that sounds the best uh, answer, yeah. I understand. And I I think I'm kind of doing that. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. But I just thought, like, I know yeah, the sometimes. Green, the, green goddesses, the green goddesses had a dream assignment every night, except for the night that they stayed up all night long beating a heartbeat drum. And, of course, that's another way to awaken a power shield, to sit up all night with it and beep, beep, beep. 
beat, beat. The heartbeat drum, right? Beat, beat. Beat, beat. Oh, yes. Right? And that, you know, you commit yourself to dusk to dawn beating the drum. If you'll just be one person, you can give yourself, you know, a five or ten minute break each hour. But do your best to keep it going from dusk to dawn. Okay. Right? And if you can't do that or, you know, your work or whatever keeps you from that, rattling over your shield is also a worldwide technique for waking up power in an object. Um, Can I be more specific? I don't know. Can you? Uh, I would like to say I can, and... I took I took them off the hoops. I feel really kind of sad, but I'm kind of strange like that, and I don't even think there's a way to put them back. But should I? I think I should try. I know you're saying go sit and see, but yes, is there? Is there any hope at yes, all? Go and, go and sit, go and sit with them and see. Perhaps they didn't want to be on the hoops. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I think maybe that's probably more true than anything. Well, thank you for that. That was simple, huh? Good question. Thanks for calling. Green blessing. Thank you, Susan. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 207 area code. Hi, my name is Bridget, and I am calling because I have a just two weeks ago injured my knee. Um, I don't know quite the extent, but I'm not able to put any weight on it. So, I can tell you what I've been doing herbally for it, and then I'm just wondering if you have any other suggestions that I might be not thinking and could of. You, could you tell me a little more about the injury? How did it happen? Yes. I Well, I jumped um, and landed on it wrong. I probably jumped off of a five-foot jump and landed on it wrong, and it buckled, um, and I haven't been able to put weight on it since. I did go to my you know, general practitioner, doctor, just to make sure nothing seemed really bad. Um, It's just very swollen, so it's either jammed, sprained, there might be a minor tear of a ligament. I don't think Mm -hmm. that there's a complete sever, Um, but I would say, you know, it's there's traumatic injury to the joint as a whole. Yes. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And what you and yeah. what you you are about to tell me what you've been doing. Yes, so definitely the nourishing infusions, um, focusing mostly on comfrey leaf and linden, and uh, you know internally, and then also applying the plant material topically um, as a poultice and compress. Um, and then I got some Solomon seal tincture and infused oil from Deb Sewell uh-huh. Avena Botanicals. I want to I want to ask you this. In okay. what way are you restricting the movement of your knee? Well, I you know, I I had a compression brace on it. Um that sounds, that's for how long? It's well, I had it on it 
full time probably for the first week. I would say three to four weeks would probably be a better time length. Okay. The longer you can immobilize it, the better the healing will be. Oh, okay. So that's in, that's interesting. I had, a, I had a ski I had a skiing accident where I tore the ligaments and tendons off of my knee. I, w- I wound up with one ski pointing north and one ski pointing south. Uh huh. Still attached to my feet. And the medical profession's uh, treatment was to put me in a cast from my ankle to my hip for three months. Wow. To give those structures time to regrow. They Uh are slow growing. They will regrow, but they are slow growing. And the more you immobilize that joint and the less you make it work for at least the first eight weeks, the better the healing is going to be. Oh, okay. I felt, I've i been told that I need to be beginning to, you know, like bend it and move oh, it did, so that the a other... Did a, physic, did a physical therapist tell you that? Well, the, the doctor that I saw told me and then um, like relatives told me that, so... I do have a call into a physical therapist. I just haven't had a call back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because the the they were saying again. That, I don't know. I don't know the extent of the injury, but you're saying it can't bear any weight. Yeah, to me, that's indicative of more time needed in the immobilization. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. And you can't you can't hurt yourself by keeping it quiet longer, but you can certainly slow down your, your healing and cause a permanent injury by doing activity too soon. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think you're doing a great job with what you're doing. How did the Solomon seal or the Solomon seal work out? You said you got those tincture and oil. Yeah, um, I went through two ounces of the tincture already. Um, uh-huh. I was doing small doses, you know, three or four because, times because a day. It, because it's so useful for you? Well, I wanted to give it a chance to see. It's, it's hard to tell, honestly, how effective it was. If it was and you're, looking, and you're looking for it to do what? Ease pain, ease swelling. Yeah, it's well. From my the research I did is that it was anti-inflammatory, specific for the joints, and there's a lot of people saying that it helps with the lubrication and maybe even the snowmobile fluid, as well as healing both uh, mm-hmm. current injuries and long-term like old mm-hmm. chronic injuries in joints specifically. So you, know that, you, know that, you know that Comfrey does all of that as well? Yes, yeah. So let me ask you this. Comfrey and Solomon seal, which plant grows near to people? Right, yeah. Comfrey seems much more sustainable, absolutely. And you absolutely, use the leaf right? the root. Yeah, and you can use it yeah. in larger amounts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know. 
I, I know that there's, you know, a little cult around the Solomon Seal. Um, yeah. But my talks with it, it has always said, you know, there's a reason I'm growing out here in the woods far away from people. Right. There's a, there's a reason that you don't find dense stands of me. Yes, yeah. And And in general, what I say to people is herbs don't work slowly. You may have to take the herb repeatedly, but they don't work slowly. If the herb is going to work for you, you're going to know that usually within three days. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm not so I'm not so sure that Solomon Seal is doing um, what it's best suited for, or if it's giving you what you're looking for. The comfrey certainly will. Uh, linden is certainly an excellent choice as well as an anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been rubbing uh, hypericum oil on it as What a well. nice idea. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it all sounds very good. Okay. Then what's that right. children's, what's that children's, um, about the the jumping on the bed, and Mama said no more jumping on the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those moments that you know you really wish you could. Hindsight, hindsight's twenty. <laughs> hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty. You got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, yeah. Remember, just remember that Mama told the bears to stop jumping on the bed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for your call. Thank you so much, Susan. Much love. Green blessings. Green blessings. Say, Rebecca, do we have Joyelle with us yet? We just did. I just saw her number, and now I'm not seeing it. Let me see. Hold on one minute. If uh, she Joyelle Peterson is a mother of four spirited children and a keeper of sacred rites. Let's hope they're spirited too. She's been in service to her community for over 15 years. Her devotion is to honor the sacred transitions of birth and death with ceremony. She infuses her work with each family, each client, and each individual with a personalized approach striving to meet the needs of the women and the families that she serves with devotion. The true essence of her talent is in the creation of women's gatherings and in showing others how to honor the ebb and flow of our internal rhythms. Ceremonial practices are always at the forefront of Joyelle's work. She believes that through the blessings of celebration, ceremony, and ritual, a great generational healing occurs. Joyelle has been blessed to touch many lives, which in their turn has become her catalyst to create more gatherings and more intentional gatherings in the future. Welcome to the show, Joyelle. Thank you so much, Susan, for having me. I am so excited that you are here with us today. 
as you know, I talk about the three traditions, the scientific tradition, which measures and fixes, the heroic tradition, which balances, cleanses, and the wise woman tradition, which nourishes wholeness in the unique individual. And I say that nourishment is certainly what we consume. It's what we eat and drink. But nourishment is also compassionate listening and simple ceremony. I believe that the nourishment of simple ceremony is creating starvation in a great many people. What do you think about that? Oh. I'm sitting here with my Kuan Yin statue trying to ground into this call right now because um, I have so many feelings about uh, the collective right now and what's happening within our beautiful world. So in my own personal life with my children, I have strived to create a simple ceremony. Often I get very elaborate because I have a lot of Libra in my chart and tend to create these really elaborate ceremonies and really quickly I was told by many wise grandmothers that ceremony lives within our heart and it's in the everyday practice. So lighting a candle in the morning, I really feel like for my family has been a ritual being able to really sit with our awakening into the new embodiment each day and giving thanks for the new day that we've been giving and really setting our intentions for the day becomes a ceremony for me. So a lot of my work um, has been with a lot of different age women and men now, including children. A lot of my work includes birth work. I've recently been taking trainings um, on death dual work, and you have been a huge inspiration to me since the first child I had 26 years ago. Your books have been a Bible to me, truthfully, when I first started my walk as a mother, so I'm so honored to be here tonight and to bear witness and hear you live. (laughs) Thank you, Joyelle. How wonderful. And I'm sure that you have added so much to that in your 26 years of being a mom. So it sounds like, um, at least in part, you agree that simple ceremony is an important nourishment for each one of us. And that our, the culture that most of us live in um, has, has, in one way or another, um, not supported or even stripped away those ceremonies. It sounds to me from your bio that one of your goals is to restore ceremony and ritual to people's lives. Yes, it is. It's definitely my heart's work. Um, And I believe for each person to create a daily practice is one of the most profound gifts we can give to ourselves, to our families, to our community, um, is really grounding into our own daily practice first and foremost, which is something that I have really worked hard at doing, just finding whatever that is for you. It can be as simple as brewing some herbal tea for yourself, lighting a candle, like I said, in the morning, uh, creating your affirmations in the morning. Whatever simple pieces that you can add to the tapestry of your life really seem to infuse that magic within my life. And then from that place, I'm able to help others. So I believe self-care is one of the top rituals that we can give ourselves, especially right now through these tumultuous times, really just honoring that time for ourselves and not being afraid to take that. And from that place of overflowing, and that's the place where we can give to others. Absolutely. And I'd like to, to point out here that the essence of a simple ceremony or a simple ritual is that it is held the same. So that you don't light a candle for a week 
and then draw a tarot card for a week and then write an affirmation for a week. What you really want to do is to develop a practice. Whether you just light that candle, say blessed be and blow it out, or you know, yes. whether it's something slightly more elaborate, what I believe is that you get the most from it if it's something that you repeat over and over and over again. Yes, I agree. Um, my daughter is turning nine in a few days, and she has her own altar in her house. And that is also something that I really encourage young women and men to have a, a place in their home that is devoted to their ritual. So whether it be just a small table with a plant on it, I encourage people to uh, work with that um, altar table seasonally, so maybe changing out the cloths, putting something special on there. But it really is a place of worship, a place of prayer, a place where you can really drop into your practice. And for me, that's been really important to explain to my children that also when I'm at that place in my practice that they respect that space for me. And I believe that that has infused within them because my daughter creates altars for herself now. She teaches her friends how to do that. And it's a really empowering practice to have what you're saying to do the same ritual each day. It creates that practice. It creates the brain waves to remember what you're doing. And it really, for me, lets me sink into a place of grounding. I think that it creates a sense of inner security that nothing else mm-hmm. can really, really do as well, especially when we are living through times that are so difficult to have an inner space that is the same and that is um, changing because all things change, and yet not changing radically, changing very subtly and very slowly, um, if it is to change at all. So if you're lighting a candle, perhaps the color of the candle changes, Hmm. but not but not the actual ritual of lighting the candle, right? So I'm not saying, you know, that it has to be hidebound and, and, you know, set in stone and that nothing can ever um, change it at all, but that we want um, the security that we can create for ourselves with this simple ritual. So you said that you have to do more complicated ceremonies Tell us about a complicated <laughs> ceremony that you've done. Um, I don't know if I would call it complicated, but for me, I really work with the elementals. So I do a lot of visionary work. Um, I put on my first women's retreat last year with my best friend. I had had a vision about it, bringing together a tribe of women, medicine women, shamanic healers, uh, counselors together. And I had really no idea what I was doing. I had had a beautiful dream about it and, Spirit told me that everything will be taken care of. I just have to trust. And we were able to have 100 and I believe 102 to 111 women showed up for a three-day festival. And the entire thing was curated with the help of our community. All the food was donated. Um, A lot of the practitioners donated their time because they saw the beautiful um, impact it was going to have on the women that attended Everything was curated by women, too, which was a really beautiful practice to see in action. We had elders come from different tribes that represented the elementals, and they came and shared their own practices with us. We had young women that stood beside the grandmothers that served them, so all their needs were met during 
the um, entire retreat. So we were really showing honor to the elders and just honoring the gifts that they brought to the gathering. And then what we were able to do is we were able to have music at night that was all curated. We had kirtan, we had chanting, we had um, yoga every morning offered to the women. And then we had a lot of time for reflection, which I realized was a really integral part of bringing a bunch of women together is to really give time for integration when we're doing this really divine work. So it was incredible. I'm still kind of, it was one year ago actually, and I sat with that two nights ago. And for me, it was one of the biggest lessons for me to learn how to receive when this was something that spirit really curated. And I was just one of the parts of it to bring it into being but each woman saw the benefit in it, and everyone said yes. It was one of the most magical things, other than giving birth to my children, I've ever been a part of co-creating. Wow, that sounds so exciting. I just did a, a high magic ceremony with the green goddesses. Yeah. And um, <laughs> usually when I do a big ceremony, um, I talk about being part of a group that was gathered to create a ceremony for the turning of the century when we went from 1999 to 2000. Mm. And there, you know, there were religious leaders from, you know, major religions there. And, you know, I represented the goddess and so on. And we were given three days to come up with our ceremony. And it really only took us a couple of hours. Wow. (laughs) And the reason it only took us a couple of hours is because we decided to focus on the common elements of ritual. Beautiful. And the common elements are the procession, the making of the individual sacred, Mm. the entering or erecting of the sacred space, Mm. the juicy middle, (laughs) the taking down or the leaving from the sacred space, the reminder that the person is sacred and yet still has responsibilities, and then the recession. Wow. And using those simple elements... uh, Ceremony of any complexity can be done once at the Wise Woman Center. A group of um, green goddesses decided that they didn't want to have a circle. They wanted to have a womb, and they wanted to have a womb with ovaries. Oh wow! <laughs> and there That's were thirty beautiful. of them, and they spent most of the night figuring out how they had to order themselves so that they could start out in the ovaries and be ovulated into the uterus <laughs> in age order. Wow. And they had an umbilical cord that they wove, <laughs> that they carried with them, and then hung in a tree when the whole ceremony was over. Wow, that is so incredible. I hope there's photographs of that. No, I rarely take photographs of rituals or ceremonies. As far as I'm concerned, it's not a ritual or a ceremony if you take a photograph. We we did have some ph- photography at our event, and we asked any woman that if they didn't care to be photographed during the event, I mean, during the actual ritual, well, an event, we didn't take an photographs. Event, I'm not talking about an event. I'm talking about the actual ceremony itself. Yeah. Of course, yes, we did lots of we pictures during that. Green Goddess Week, and you can see them. Justine has posted them. But 
we did a, a photo opportunity before the ceremony, and then all cameras and phones were turned off and left behind for the time of the ceremony itself. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. We recently so, were able to gather all, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. I just wanted to, you said that you're um, learning to be a death doula, and I wondered if you wanted to say a little more about that. So I've done about 15 years of birth work within my community. I started out holding blessing ways and uh, mother blessings, and then I have been just a private doula, and then recently I became part of the community doula program, which is a program that allows any woman in our county to have a free doula to help advocate for their birthright. So that's the work that I've been doing with birth. And then recently I've been called um, – to start working as a death doula, and in my heart, in mind, I was believing that it would be with people closer to the end of their life, but I've also now been being called to work with infants that decide to not incarnate this way on this earth side. So that is a very different um, type of work that I've just started to delve into, and I really feel like as I'm getting older, I'm going to turn 46 this year, that my heart is really called to move toward that type of ceremony and that type of birth work now. So I've been recently blessed to work with a few children, and then I got to work with an elder um, woman who was incredible and let me sit with her, and I was just honored to be able to sit with her through that transition. And I'm really called to do more of that work. So when we are at a birth, Um, There's a variety of things that we can do. Um, Perhaps we could think that the ideal situation would be that if if we're at a birth, um, all we're going to do is wipe the woman's brow and get her something to drink. But it generally turns into um, something a little more than that. Um, At the very least, it turns into moral and emotional support. And at the very worst, it turns into body blocking the doctors who are trying to cut her open. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I was just at a three-day birth. So, I, so, um, as, a, so as, a, as a death doula, um, might we draw an analogy there that we would hope it would be just, you know, drying their brow and holding their hand as they slip away, but that, that have you had a situation in which you've had to defend the rights of a dying person? Um, Not necessarily right now because two of the clients I had were children, so I had known their parents pretty well. So for me, that was really um, one of them chose to give birth at home knowing the child wasn't going to stay earthside. So that one was really incredible. I was there for a few days, and that was everything from, like you said, just holding space for the woman and her family, Um, also spiritually holding space for the I'm a little unclear about what you mean about earthside. So you're telling me that a baby in a mother's womb isn't here on the earth? No, I'm just saying that the baby decided not to come alive, and we knew that when it was in the womb. You so knew, that, still you knew, you knew that the baby was already dead before she gave birth to it? Yeah, at one of the clients that I held space for, yes. And I was with her for a couple of days. She still decided to have a home birth with her child. Yes. So... I held space for that whole family for multiple days while she gave birth to her child. And then we held ceremony for that child. We held death rates. We anointed the baby's body with frankincense and myrrh. 
We brought silks in for the mother. We wrapped the child so the mother could hold her and grieve. And it was actually a really beautiful process because there was no one taking the child from her versus being in the hospital. It's a little bit different to hold rights and to advocate for clients because there's a lot of um, procedures that people like to rush, as you know, because it's work you've done for a long time. So at home, it's different. When I'm able to sit at home with someone um, when they're crossing, whether it be a child or an elder, it's different um, than being at the hospital. And I feel like it's the same way with birth advocacy. And I'm really respectful of the staff that I work with at the hospital here. um, And I really try to hold space specifically for my client, and I let them speak their truth. So I always can give advice to them at the hospital, but I said, this is your time to be empowered and to speak your needs out loud, and I will advocate for you as I can. But I really like my clients to be empowered to speak their truth because it really heals something within them. So when there's a death at the hospital, when it's a child, it's a lot harder for a mother because she's very confused. But I also really encourage her that this is your child, and anything that you want for you and your child, I will sit and advocate for you. So birth and death together. Yeah. And and you are there. Of course, in COVID days, it can be very difficult to be an advocate. Are you being allowed in the room with birthing women? They just allowed um, a few of the doulas back in the hospital. We have to wear a mask throughout the whole birth. Um, They COVID test the mothers. And then if the mother comes positive, then they are able to test the child. Um, There hasn't been any separation at our hospital yet, but I've heard that that's a possibility at other places. Um, It's a lot different (laughs) during this time, but our staff is led by midwives, which is really incredible. And I have found nothing but beautiful advocacy for women in our hospital. So I've been really blessed to be able to work with the midwife staff. As long as um, everything is okay with the mother, the midwives are the main caregivers for the birth ward here. And they love having doulas because we, work together so beautifully, um, you know, and I'm very respectful of their work and they're very respectful of mine. So I set up altars for women at the hospital if they ask, and I feel like really at the hospital it's so important to bring ceremony back into the birth process. Like I have women bring their own altar items. If they don't have an altar, I ask them if that's something they would like me to bring. And just having, you know, low lighting, having salt lamps there, we can use a little bit of aromatherapy If the mother wants that, I bring blankets from home. I bring um, rose oils, just different things that might soothe the mother and make the um, environment a lot less medical and clinical. Of course, you probably know that I think that essential oils are drugs and should not ever be brought anywhere near a birthing woman or a baby. So I've used um, rose water. That's the one I mostly use. Rose water is very different than it's, you talked about aromatherapy, which is essential oil. Yeah. And, all, and what, I'm, and what I'm saying is that as far as I'm concerned, that has absolutely no place in a room with a birthing woman. Now, if we're okay, talking I'm natural therapy, you. if you're going to bring in a lemon verbena plant or a sage plant or right. a blooming rose, I'm all well, for yeah, that. Well, yeah, I always bring fresh flowers from my garden. <laughs> yeah, but, but and aromatherapy I think this, pretty much means essential oils, and I definitely draw the line there. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. 
So, so for um, me, I, I think I was mostly trying to say that just creating a sanctuary within a container in the hospital is very important for me to hold that sacred space important. for a woman. And it's very different. Important. It's very different to have that space and then versus walking into a clinical hospital where it feels very clinical. It doesn't feel very, you know, I'll bring a rug with me and just that simple thing or a sheepskin or something to lay on the ground next to the mother just really shifts the environment instantly. You're so right. They found that even hanging a picture of an outdoor scene feeds healing if the person can't have an actual window. This is Susan Weed, and I am speaking with Joelle Peterson. You can find her at https colon slash slash awakensacredretreat.com. And is there any other way that you would like people to get in touch with you? Um, that's, that's actually my retreat site, so that's beautiful. Um, I also I have uh, awakeningjoyl.com. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. Oh, are you leaving now? No, I didn't know. You were just giving me a web page, so I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I do that in the middle of the interview so that if people don't stay to the end, they get that information. Thank you. That's awesome. Sure. I, you know, I, I don't like to let it wait till the very, very end because people, you know, get interested in something else. So I want to bring it into the middle of our talk. So that if people Beautiful. want are interested Thank now in you and want to get in touch with you, that they have access nice. to do that. Yeah, I wanted to I, share I, with you too. Um, can I share something with you? Please. I just wanted to tell you that um, really, truthfully, from reading your books, I I recommend those to all of my clients still to make your tonics and infusions. And I have had four natural waterborne births myself. And I really believe that a lot of the knowledge that I um, digested as a new mother from a lot of the wisdom that you've shared has really carried through into my practices. And I I carry every time I find your book ever at a thrift store, I buy them. So I usually have about six of them so I can give them to clients in a welcome package. And I'm serious. I tell them, I'm like, sometimes I always have to look back at this book because I think that we need to nourish our inner child right now as much as we nourish children in utero and that's like something that's really coming up for me right now is how do we nourish the inner child with ceremony, with tonics, with uh, kind words. Oh, I so agree with you. When um, I was um, asking my inner child what it was that she wanted, she gave me a memory of a a stuffed gray elephant that she carried around. And it was one of those things where, you know, the adults decided this toy was over and out and they got rid of it. And she was still grieving. And so I started Mm. buying her elephant. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Right? And it didn't have to be like a big elephant or a stuffed elephant. It just, you know, just, you know, now and then to say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Here's an elephant for you. No, that's so darling. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it matters what stage or age we're at. We can always channel that inner child and ask for what they need. And a dear friend of mine told me the other day, she said, you know, when our body has something going on and we're ignoring it or we're saying, well, we'll take care of that later or we push back a symptom or, 
you know, it could be as simple as we're, we're feeling dehydrated and we decide not to drink water at that time. She reminded me, she said, would you ever have a child come to you, Joyelle, and deny them what they need? And that was really big for me. It was kind of a turning point of, no, I would never do that. She goes, well, then don't deny yourself those needs either. All right, but but let's give up the idea that water hydrates because it does not and it never will. In a recent study of 13 <laughs> different beverages, the least hydrating beverage was water. It was the bottom. Okay, tell me what to feed my inner child then, Susan. I'll do it. <laughs> nourishing herbal infusion. You're drinking nourishing herbal infusion? Yes, I do drink those. And you you turn all your ladies on to nourishing herbal infusions? Nothing better during pregnancy, nothing better during lactation. And your inner do, child love your inner child loves those infusions. Yes, my dear friend is taking very good care of me right now because I'm going through a huge transition within my own life, and she has been making me those too. Sometimes we need others to remind us and help us to uh, keep our Absolutely. practices in practice. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I well, I often say that the reason that I teach about nourishing herbal infusions is so I'll be sure to be offered a glass of infusion wherever I go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You do so much work. You do work in your community. You do work in your family. You do work with birth and you do work with death. You help to organize women's gatherings. And I think you also do work with um, uh, the Red Tent. Yes, I do. Um, I just actually got asked to create um, boxes for the girls at the Waldorf School. I was able to hold rights for them, which I think is really beautiful that they included that in their curriculum. So I was able to hold rights for all the girls in my son's class, which was really beautiful. And then they also have a rights that they hold for the boys. And I think um, that is probably one of the most beautiful rights that I'm able to co-create with spirit. And I think that... One of the biggest things I learned during putting those together is how often the mothers need to be there and the grandmothers and the aunties who show up and how healing it is for the generation to sit through a circle like that and to let the parts of them that never received that celebration of that time in their life to heal. Oh, that is so beautiful, and I agree with you. There's something very, very precious about that, and I know. Um, a few women who do women's circles with women of all ages and take them back to that oh, um, original menarche ceremony that they never got. It was never too that's late amazing. to do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I actually um, also realized that there are certain young women. I usually try to do like a very simple interview with the girl herself, not just the mother, to see what she wants. And I realize a lot of times the mother thinks this should be this big elaborate, again, ceremony with all these magical things, which I have. But sometimes the girls are very shy about that. So I ask them, what what would make you feel comfortable? How can we celebrate you in a way that you feel comfortable? You know, would this be okay with you if I brought this, this, and this? Or if we created a circle and spoke about this, this, and this? And that way I, be, I believe it starts the ceremony with the child that's being honored. Yes, I totally agree with you. I was very touched when a, a Seneca grandmother told me that as part mm-hmm. of their Menachee ceremony, they, they tell the young woman, um, from from this day, um, you now hold the power of life uh, within your body. 
and your decisions about who you share your body with will have repercussions for every generation that follows you. Wow. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. whoa, that, you know, that does so much more than some lecture about being celibate. Exactly. Yeah. And just honoring, you know, we have a poem that we give the girls about just honoring their sacred temple. And also I really like offering women moon calendars so they can begin tracking their cycle from the beginning of their first menses till the end. And that way we have actually a calendar. It's like an archive of all the offerings that our blood does for us. And it really mm. empowers them to come into that time of month and know their own particular system, which I think is really empowering instead of just, you know, coming upon your moon one day and then all of a sudden you're not prepared and you're not ready. It really just gives them a place to really sit down and archive when they're going to bleed. And I think that's a really important um, gift to give as a young woman into adulthood because you're knowing your cycle. Yes, I, I agree with you. And I like the moon calendar by snake and snake because it starts out with, with the new moon rather than a moon calendar based on a month, which is confusing for many people. Well, Joyelle, we have indeed now come to the end of our show. And let me repeat, (laughs) if I heard it correctly, that Cosmic Joy L, that's C-O-S-M-I-C-J-O-Y-L, CosmicJoyL.com is the best website to find you at. Um, cosmicjoyl at gmail dot com. That's at my gmail. Email. Oh, so it's a, a it's yep. a, a it's a email address, not a website. Okay, cosmic joy, and then not e l l as you spell it, but just the letter l joy, and then yep. the letter l at gmail dot com is a great way to get in touch with Joelle Pedersen. And what is it that you would like to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's listening to you tonight? Hmm. I would like to say to please honor yourselves right now with your own nourishing traditions through this time of transition and to really come up with a simple practice that works for you, but to really honor the sanctuary of a simple practice each day because finding that space and place to sit down and come into your body and be calm is really one of the most beautiful gifts you can give to yourself such loving words. Thank you so much, Joe, Joy L. Peterson at, at Cosmic Joy L. <laughs> Thank you for helping us reweave the healing cloak of the ancient and for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And you too, Rebecca, and you too, Justine, and even you, Monica Jean. Thank you all. Herbal medicine is people's medicine. And one of the things the pandemic is helping us see is how important herbs and herbal medicine are, as well as all the work that you are doing. Green blessings, everyone, and good night. Blessings and good night. Green blessings, everyone. Good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.